Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, Director of Advancement here at DCC. We want to thank you for joining us as we continue in our series of podcasts that focus on current topics and events that are shaping our society, the world of education, and the local church. This month, we are continuing in our series of podcasts that we have titled Spending Time with the Text. In these weeks leading up to Easter, several of our faculty members here at the college are sharing their unique insights and revelations into Scripture texts with the purpose of helping us all grow as followers of Christ who are able to correctly explain the Word of Truth, as the Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy. Joining us today is Dr. Mark Halen, the head of DCC's Bible Department. Dr. Halen has been a guest on several of our podcast episodes, and it was his email about a particular text that he was translating with students in a Greek class that actually sparked the Spending Time with the Text podcast idea. Helping to guide our discussion with Dr. Halen is the voice of the DCC Leadership Podcast, Mr. Mark Worley, the Vice President of Institutional Advancement. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Mark, and let you facilitate today's discussion. Awesome. Well, uh, Dr. Halen did come up with a, just a, an amazing uh, insight, and one of the things that we talked about with Dr. Eddie Sanders was the fact that it, it's always amazing to have a scholar still find nuggets, uh, beautiful nuggets in the Word of God. They haven't stopped uh, learning and growing. So, uh, Dr. Halen, you're going to be talking about a couple of different things uh, over the next couple of podcasts. So today you're talking about Bartimaeus. And so uh, that's found in the the Gospel of Mark. So, Bartimaeus, what did you find distinctive about this story? Well, there's... there's um some interesting things that are are discovered when you look at the wording of the text in Mark 10, 46 through 52 closely. One of the first things you note is Bartimaeus is named. He's not named in the parallel accounts. Uh, Matthew uh, talks about two blind beggars in the yeah. parallel account. Luke talks about a blind beggar. Bartimaeus is actually named in the text. That's probably significant, that, that Mark singles out him by name. In fact, Bartimaeus is the only recipient of a miracle in the Synoptic Gospels who is named by name. Hmm. Now, the Gospel of John, you have like Lazarus, you know, but, but usually in the Synoptic Gospels, in all but this one case, the recipient of a miracle, the beneficiary of a miracle, is just simply titled by the issue, a paralytic, a leper, you know, the like. Bartimaeus is named. So that means there's something significant about his name. Mark names people that with, with purpose. Uh, he names Simon of Cyrene carries the cross of Jesus, and mentions that Simon is the father of Alexander and Rufus. Okay, you're the, the reader, you go, what? Okay, and then you discover, well, most New Testament scholars that think, think Mark was written to a Roman audience, and from Romans 16.33, we know that there's a member of the church, Rufus. Hmm. And, and so there's a, a shout-out to the boys, a shout-out to uh, Simon, okay. <laughs> well, like what about this Bartimaeus guy? Well, the thing that's probably significant about 
the name is the meaning of the name. The name Bartimaeus is Aramaic to mean son of Timaeus. And if you look at how Mark introduces the character in Mark 10, uh, we, we read in verse 46, uh, as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, then most English translations have something like Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. What's interesting about that is that's not the order of the Greek text. The Greek text doesn't have his name, Bartimaeus, the Aramaic name, and then the explanation of the name, son of Timaeus. It has the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus. Now, you might think that Mark is just simply giving people who don't know Aramaic a heads up on the meaning of the name, much like he did in Mark 5 when he, when he narrates the story of Jesus raising the little girl and he has Jesus says to her, Talitha kumi, that is to say, little girl, get up. But if he was going to do that, he would have Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, like our English translations do. But he had it reversed. He had it wrong. He had son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus. And so that makes you think, okay, is there something special going on here? And I think there is. Because son of Timaeus means son of honor. Mm-hmm. Son of honor. Now, let's think about son of honor. We're familiar earlier in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus calls these two disciples, James and John, who are the sons of Zebedee, he calls them by a different name. Boarginis, sons of thunder. There has to be something about these boys, James and John, that makes Jesus think about thunder. Mm-hmm. Are they are they temperamental, angry, you know, kind of mean spirited guys? Mm-hmm. You know, many people posit that because they they say, hey, well, call down, you know, lightning, you know, fire on these cities. Or since I'm kind of a loud guy, I like to think (laughs) that maybe James and John were boisterous, loud people. You knew they were you knew they were coming down the street. okay, because you could hear them, Mm -hmm. you know, that they had loud voices. The idea of being a son of something in Semitic thought is to have the characteristics of that thing. Uh, John 12 talks about, uh, Jesus talks about being sons of light Mm -hmm. in a context where he has called himself the light of the world. And light is obviously a big big, uh, theme in the Gospel of John. And so I think what Mark wants us to see is that Bartimaeus is a, son of honor. He is an honorable person. Uh And you, the reader, are supposed to look at what Bartimaeus does in this story and then emulate it. And the key thing to emulate 
the very first thing to emulate is that Bartimaeus becomes a disciple. At the beginning of the story, he's alongside the road. And if you read to the end of the story in Mark 10, he's on the road following Jesus. And we're in a series of, of Lent. We're in a series leading up to uh, the Passion event. And this is, in the Gospel of Mark, this is the last narrative that is recorded before the triumphal entry. Okay. The same is true about Matthew. It's the last episode before Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. So it like sets up being on the road with Jesus for Passion Week. Uh, Gospel of Luke, it's not the last story, but it's really close. There's like only two intervening stories between this story and the entry into Jerusalem uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, where there is a story about a blind beggar being healed. So going back, Mark, just for a second. uh, Okay, so... Would you think that the others wouldn't be named? I mean, the others who he healed wouldn't be named because it's all about Jesus. Uh, yeah, there, there, there are many, there are many, many reasons why you wouldn't have these other characters named. Uh, again, increases focus on Jesus. Yeah. Also, also kind of gives the vibe of this could be any. Jesus could do this for any leper. Jesus could do this for any demon-possessed man. Jesus could do this for any blind man. Uh, this dynamic goes back even to the Old Testament. Uh, uh, so, many, so many critical issues, historical issues for Old Testament scholars could be completely, would have been completely done away with if, uh, <laughs> yeah. if, if the Pharaoh had just been named. Okay? <laughs> but I think part of the, part of the, the issue that the text was communicating is doesn't matter who the Pharaoh is. doesn't matter who the ruler is. If he's up against God, he's going to lose. <laughs> yeah, okay? exactly. If, if he stands between God and his purposes, he's going to lose. And, and so I think there's, you're all right that there's part of this, keep the focus on Jesus. Uh, but I think also, and remember, this could be true of anyone who had this problem, which then makes just even more even more special the fact that yeah. Mark chose to name this man. I think that's the one of the reasons why he chose to name him is he wants to use Bartimaeus as an example of what discipleship is about. And I think there's some things in the story that that uh, that come out that are the things we're supposed to emulate. Yeah, so you're talking about he was on on the on the road, and then he was or on the side of the road, and then he's on the road. Okay, so what what significance? I mean, that is so cool to find the, as we talked about those little nuggets mm-hmm. of information. So what would be what be the story behind that? I mean, uh, being on the road, but but yet he's still blind. Well, when he gets on the road, he's no longer blind. Okay. He's alongside the road. He's blind. Now he comes to see, and now that he sees clearly, he's now following Jesus. Now, I think the significance of on the road, on the road with Jesus uh, in this text is borne out by, by, 
by something in the historical cultural context that everyone familiar with the geography of this area would have picked up on. That road that Bartimaeus was about to follow Jesus on uh, was about a 15-mile trek. They're in Jericho. They're going to leave Jericho. They're going to go to Jerusalem. 15 miles. No big deal, you would think. No big deal. Except that on that 15-mile stretch, you're going to ascend 3,500 feet Hmm. from the lowest point, inhabited point on the planet, even today, not just in the biblical world, in the world, Jericho is the lowest inhabited part, place on the planet. And in 15 short miles, you're going to go to a place where there's mountains, Jerusalem, not the highest mountains, but mountains, okay? (laughs) 3,000, that's a rate. That's an incline of 233 feet every mile. Mm. Now, anybody who knows me, who has seen pictures of me with, you know, from head to toe, knows that I'm not an athletic person, okay? <laughs> I am not, you know, a fitness guru, but that that is a trek that will challenge even the most physically fit. That is a that is a natural geographical stairmaster, okay. Well, I, I, and so it's yeah. a hard journey. So he's going to make the tough journey. He's going to follow Jesus no matter what hardship is involved in it. Well, on top of that, it's like, hey, uh, you receive your sight. You've been blind, but now you receive your sight. Let's go on a climb. I mean, it's just over rough terrain. Yeah, and w- and what sort of things might you have wanted to do if you could see? But now you're going to have to delay those yeah. because you're going to follow, follow Jesus. Uh, I think another element in this story is we see a Bartimaeus who would not be deterred from getting with Jesus. Uh, we're told in the story that he he's calling out uh, to Jesus. Uh, he. Uh, he begins to cry out, this is the ESV in verse, what is this, verse 47, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. The verb that's used for crying out, for, for Bartimaeus' act of crying out, is used elsewhere in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it's used to talk about the shrieking of demons as they exit bodies in earlier in the Gospel of Mark. It's going to be used in the next chapter to talk about the loud shouts of the people that are gathered there on what we call Palm Sunday as they shout Hosanna. So this is no timid, you know, Hey Jesus, could you take a look over here? Right. Yeah, you know, th- this is—he's shrieking. It's a maybe obnoxious sounding. It's clamorous, you know, and and people want him to shut up. That's how not noxious this is, and and uh, he persists. He persists. I yeah. think that's a key lesson of this son of honor. Yeah, that nothing 
Nothing will hold him back from having an encounter with Jesus. He will do what it takes to follow Jesus. He'll do what it takes to get Jesus' attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we think about our lives, pray unceasingly, to cry out to God. You know, he won't let anything bar him from getting in contact with Jesus. And once he's had an experience with Jesus, he's all in. Yeah. He he is blind, now he can see, and now that he can see, he wants to follow. I found it interesting as I was looking at this text. In, in verse 52, Jesus even says, go, your faith has healed you. He doesn't say, oh, by the way, do you want to come follow me now? Yes. And, and instead of going wherever Bartimaeus was going to go, it says immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Yeah, so the initiation of Bartimaeus. Yeah. All other disciples in the gospel have been beckoned yes. by Jesus. Come and follow me. Yeah. That's an interesting, interesting observation. Yeah, you know, the pursuit of Jesus is pretty an amazing, I mean, it's an amazing story. I, I think of Zacchaeus, who just climbed a tree. He wanted to see Jesus. And then when Jesus comes to his house, everything is different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting when, when people pursue Christ. This this pursuit of Jesus, this following of Jesus theme here at the end of chapter 10, I think is really significant when you look at earlier parts of the chapter. Because in earlier parts of the chapter, Jesus had encountered people who said they wanted to follow Jesus, but maybe not so much. The rich ruler, the rich young man. I want to follow you. Oh, now they have to give up everything? Not so much. Yeah. Yeah, okay. the disciples. Yeah, we we're following you, but they they have their issues in in chapter ten. They they want to be great in the kingdom, right? And Jesus An says, earthly no, kingdom. no, yeah. An earthly kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's not the way it's going to be. <laughs> that's not the way it's going to be. And so maybe the idea of a blind blind man mm-hmm. who can now see, I think, is another way that Mark is is teasing us as the readers is saying, did you catch who really sees in yeah. this chapter? It was the guy that had been blind. Oh, that's great. Is the one who now really sees. And he sees clearly to follow Jesus on the road up to Jerusalem. And of course, as we read, we know we know the end of the story. Yeah. Uh, he follows knowing you know Jesus Jesus has already told the disciples on multiple occasions. This is how it's going to end. Bartimaeus is going to follow, and he may be following with greater sight than are the 12 that have been with Jesus for three and a half years. Great. You know, that's, that's interesting. When the, the, when the soldier comes and says, will you heal my servant, all you have to do is say the words. And Jesus says a similar type of thing. You know, not in all of Israel have I seen the faith like this guy. What a slam. To the nation of Israel, you know the the children of Israel. That's it's pre, pretty amazing how Jesus makes his point, uh, kind of in a in a side way, kind of thing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I one other last thing. This, this just just occurred to me right now uh, as we were talking as an Old Testament scholar, like why didn't you think about this earlier? <laughs> it's probably it's it may be significant that. Any Israelite, when he thinks about Jericho, and even most Christians, when we read the Bible 
and we see Jericho mentioned, we, we automatically think of Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. Right. And, of course, Jericho is the first city that's conquered in Canaan when the Israelites enter. And so it's the beginning of the unfolding of the promise. And so there, there's probably something there that Mark wants us to, to think about as Jesus is on the road yeah. and sons of honor are on the road following Jesus. The unfolding of the promise is about to happen. It's about to happen. Wow. That's great. That's that's perfect, and, and in a couple of weeks, you're going to hear more from Dr. Halen as he shares specifically focusing on the resurrection from the dead, and he has some interesting insights there. So I encourage you to check that out in a couple of weeks. But Dr. Halen, thank you for being with us today. Mark, great discussion as always. We want to remind our listeners that if you would like more information about Dallas Christian College, you can go to our website at www.dallas.edu. Our mission here at Dallas Christian College is to educate and mentor students to be people of influence, engaging in their calling to the work of Christ in the church and in the world. And to that endeavor, that's what we do every day, every week here at the college with our students. And uh, we encourage you to check that out and uh, be a part of what God is doing here at Dallas Christian College. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Leadership Podcast, Spending Time with the Text. Have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next time.